Oh man, 2022 is a tough time for first-time home buyers. So in the spirit of what I try to do here on the podcast, bring you practical positivity, I'm going to assume that no matter what phase you are in this process, no clue what's going on at the very beginning, phase one, phase two, you're a little bit on the way, or phase three, you're getting ready to go out there and start writing offers. No matter where you are in your home buying process, you're going to need this podcast or this video because someday you will be closing on a home. So today we're going to fast forward to just a day or two before you get the keys to your new home to help you get prepared for what to expect for our favorite word in real estate, closing. What is happening, my How to Buy Homies? I'm David Sedoni, the How to Buy a Home Guy, crushing the confusion and bringing clarity for the entire crazy home buying process. We want you to be prepared, have clear understanding of what's going on, and especially for those of you out there that this is your first time buying a home. Now, today we're going to jump on the Ted Lasso train of positivity. I'm going to get you ready for the moment that you've been dreaming of, getting your keys to your very own home. Yes, all the excitement that you get of being able to do whatever you want to the house. Now, instead of just watching HGTV and dreaming about someday I can do that, you can actually do it to your home. Getting your keys means that you can finally say screw you to your creepy landlord. Yeah, how about that? Or maybe just screw you to your landlord who never returns your calls and doesn't show up anyway. And guess what? Getting your keys means no more worrying about rising rents. So for today, we're fast forwarding and we're saying you made it to this happy, happy place of homeownership. Okay, I want to help you guys get in that place. So let's take a quick meditation moment. Come with me. Come on. We're going to close our eyes and imagine that you survived the hell battles of the 2022 bidding wars for first time home buyers. And let's discuss what you need to be expecting in those happy final days before you get your keys to your new home. Oh, it's so exciting. You're about to take on the largest debt of your entire life that you've ever been saddled with. Isn't that fun? Oh, wait. Sorry, guys. I was supposed to be taking you to a positive, happy place. Missed it. Actually, I am glad that I gave you kind of the yin-yang, getting you those positive juju vibes I was having with the meditation moment mixed in with a little bit of the reality because that yin and the yang, the excitement of the day you're getting your keys... It can also be mixed in with some of the crazy things that happen in the closing. Now, I'm excited for you to get your keys. Then you're going to take a picture. You're going to send it to me so I can put it back here on my wall of success. But let me get you ready for everything. The yin and the yang is that closing days also end up being some of the most intense and stressful days in the entire process. And usually that's because the closing doesn't happen on time. So what I say is, I've said it in the old episode, on episode 81, I talked a little bit about this, but let me recap it real quick. Closing dates are fluid. Closing dates are fluid. Closing dates are fluid. Don't put that day on your calendar with a star and rainbows and unicorns all around it, okay? I repeat, it's nothing resembling a rock solid date. It's a goal, not a promise. All right, there's going to be things that happen. Issues are going to happen. Loans are going to need an extra day or two or an extra week. The seller's moving truck might be delayed, stuck in Boise in a tornado. Or the termite tent needs to stay on for a couple extra days. And that's just a few samples of the many, many things that can happen. So you got it? 
Get your closing date, plan on moving in on that closing date, and if it doesn't, cool, and you can do it with my clients. Just the other day, when they found out that their home did actually close on the date that it was supposed to, they met me at the home, got the keys, let their four-year-old Jack run around in the backyard and run through a big empty house, and then they ordered pizza, and they had a picnic on the floor in their new house. They didn't have their movers lined up, they didn't have painters, they didn't have moving boxes and all kinds of people. They just had a couple days to enjoy the house and move things over slowly. If you're so tight on the purchase that you can't factor in a week of overlap between your rental place and your moving brand new place, well, if you can't cover that safety valve, then maybe you're just too tight on that purchase anyway. Got it? Closing dates are fluid. Moving on. One thing to keep in mind about the closing is that most people buying a home stretch their loan to the very top of their approval, which means there's not a lot of wiggle room for any new changes in your debt. That's going to throw off your DTI. DTI is your debt to income, and that's your debt to income ratio. And now suddenly, if you have some new debt and new payments that you're supposed to be making, you might actually no longer be approved for the home loan while you're under contract trying to purchase a house. That can suck in like 50 different ways. So do not apply for a credit card when you're trying to buy a house. Don't get a furniture card or a loan of any kind while you're under contract. Very important. Don't purchase or agree to purchase anything. Not with your existing cash, because that might be something that your lender has that they're using to show that you can get your approval. And don't use your credit cards and jack up the amount that you have on your credit card. Don't buy furniture. That's the big one. So many people go out and buy furniture. Do not buy furniture. Do not buy appliances. I don't care. Don't buy a fridge or a washer and dryer. Wait until you close before you do that. Don't do anything beyond grocery and gas. And these days, that's probably going to cost you a million bucks anyway. But don't do anything beyond groceries and gas unless you're talking to your lender first. Don't do anything until you actually close. Okay, closing doesn't mean the day you sign your loan documents. That's not the closing. The documents have to be processed and then funded. So no purchases until someone hands you the keys. The rule of thumb is this. The second you sign a contract to buy a home before you spend or receive any money of any kind that is not a regular monthly expenditure or deposit, call your lender, period. And I'm talking about, I don't even want you adding a new streaming service for a new monthly bill. Nothing without calling your lender. That's the rule of thumb, period. Oh, that's going to lead us to another edition of why do we say that? Rule of thumb. Rule of thumb, why do we say that? Well, it's an approximate method for doing something. It's based on a practical experience rather than theory. The usage of the phrase can be traced back to the 17th century. There's two different versions of it. This is the one that's probably more reasonable. It was associated with various trades where quantities were measured by, you guessed it, the width or the length of your thumb. I never understood how they did that in the old days. I have like the world's fattest thumbs. If you use the width of mine versus like the width of my wife's beautiful, long, skinny thumb, like mine's twice as fat. Okay, so enough about my fat thumbs, because there's another definition for rule of thumb. Comes from supposedly when a judge from England actually said that it was the amount of the width of the stick that you could beat your wife with. Huh? Damn. That's as outdated as the real estate industry's treatment of first-time home buyers. (laughs) See what I did there? I took a horrific subject. Huh? Terrible wife beating domestic violence. 
and I made it about you being abused with some crazy thumbstick. But the good news is that I'm here now. I am your stick stopper, your thumb thwarter, your rule of thumb regulator of truth and quality guidance. So here's a big one to protect you in this new world of the electronic economy. Everything is done electronically now, and I'm not just talking about Bitcoin and Web 3.0 and the metaverse. I'm talking about wiring money, something that has been happening for a long time. But now, well, the bad guys have caught up on this. The biggest scam in real estate is wire fraud. When you get to the closing, you're going to need to give money to buy the house. Most closing companies are not taking a bag of cash. So you're going to need to wire them the money. And when you get into the closing, you'll notice at the bottom of everyone's email who's involved with the closing, it has this big disclaimer about wire fraud. This wire is probably going to be one of the biggest sums of money you've ever sent to anybody in your entire life. And it's going to be crucial that when someone's asking for a wire, that you do that in a timely manner. So that means it's going to be coming at you quick. And the scammers know that. And they know how excited you are about this. And they know it's going to feel quick and you're going to be rushing. You might just press send. And gang, when a wire goes, it's gone. You can't stop it. It's done. You wire the money and it's theirs. So what these scammers are doing is they're getting company letterheads and logos. And they're getting email templates. And I'm talking from everybody, from banks, from the escrow companies, from the closing companies, from the attorneys. They're even going to put a phone number at the bottom and then you call it and they're going to answer the phone and act like they're in an office and make it sound official. So avoid these scams by calling or emailing the people that you work with throughout the contracted period. So you're going to be working with escrow or title or attorneys. Call in if it's the same person and they verify over the phone with you where you're supposed to wire it, then you're going to be safe. Okay, next up, let's talk money. Closing costs. Now, once again, I talked about this in episode 81. I'll go into the details there, but I couldn't get to the closing day without bringing this up. It's the most confusing part of real estate. And I told you why they can't exactly calculate it because there are 50 states and everyone does it a little bit differently. And the calendar day that you end on depends on what your payments are going to be. Not to mention the fact that each state does things differently. Yeah, there are like 700 different ways that a state will close for the conveyance of a property. Conveyance is your first term that I'm going to help you understand in the closing. That's a fancy word for give me the keys, brah. <laughs> I just gave you all the money in the world. Give me the keys. And I promise to pay for 30 years. A conveyance is the transfer and assignment of any property right or interest from one individual or entity, the convey or to another, the convey e. So it's usually accomplished through something written. A lot of time they're going to call that a deed. And that's going to transfer the title. And if there is any sort of loan on the property, it'll also then create a lien on the property. Now, to help us understand why and how all this works and all these fancy new terms, yet again, number one piece of advice I can give you is that you need a super rad and bitchin' unicorn team. To help you with the closing, because it's different everywhere else, there's no generic podcast I can do to explain. At a closing, you're supposed to expect X, Y, and Z. It's going to be different everywhere, and you need a team of local pros that do it, because it's not just different in every state. Sometimes it's different in every county. Sometimes it's different in every town. Before I got ready to do this podcast, I read through these practices in all 50 states, and it's mind-boggling how different it is. My stupid state of California can't even agree on a single way to conduct it. There's multiple different ways, including like a vast like civil war line between the north and the south. 
And then I found out it's different from every county to county. So let me give you some samples of what to expect at the closing and all the terms and the definitions that you should be prepping for. All right, first I'll start in Alabama. Now you'll notice some of these terms are going to cross over from state to state, but they are different in some places. So here's how they do it in Alabama. There are attorneys involved. Now in California, we don't have attorneys, but the only thing you do in California without a lawyer is buy a house. You have attorneys and title companies that handle the closings. So they don't use any escrow companies. Some of you guys, all you're going to talk about is escrow when you're buying a house. Some of you guys will never hear that word. And then there's title companies. Most of you will have something involved with a title company. They're the people that make sure that the ownership chain, the people who own the home and then transferring it to the next one, they're making sure that everything is what we call a clean title. That means that it is officially owned by the people who officially purchase it, and there's not some rando claiming that the home is theirs after you just paid for it. Now, in Alabama, the conveyance, remember, that's just the fancy word for give me the house. The conveyance is also known as a general warranty deed, and that's just a legal real estate document between the seller, called the grantor, and the buyer, called the grantee. Now, that deed protects the buyer by pledging that the seller holds clear title. So that means the seller is Robert Smith selling the house, but they're not some other Robert Smith selling the house. They're telling you, I guarantee I am this person. And there are no encumbrances or outstanding leads or mortgages against the home. In Alabama, the buyers and sellers negotiate who's going to pay the closing costs. Interesting. And they usually split them equally. Now, again, that's not the same everywhere. And finally, in Alabama, the property taxes are due and payable annually on October 1st. So that's going to affect how much you need to bring in for your closing costs, depending on how many taxes are due on the date that you close. Okay, now that's just one state. You want me to do all 50? I'm not, but I'll give you some other examples. Alaska. Alaska uses title companies, lenders, and private escrow companies. No lawyers. So it's a whole different ballgame there. The buyer and sellers usually split the closing costs and the property at tax payment dates varies through the state. And the other cool thing about Alaska is there's no document or transfer taxes. So that's a plus for freezing your butt off living up in Alaska. Okay, the next example, Arizona. How do they do it in Arizona? Title companies and title agents both handle the closings. In Arizona, the seller usually pays for the owner's policy and the buyer pays for the lender's policy. They split the escrow costs otherwise, and they've got two different tax dates in October and March. And Arizona, here's one thing interesting about Arizona. It doesn't matter how you purchase the home. You can't take title so that one person can own more of the house than the other, which is something you can do in several other states. Arizona is a community property state. That means that all property acquired by either spouse during a marriage is considered to be equally joint owned. So upon the divorce, <laughs> sorry, 50% of the time people get divorced. So I was just supposed to be the positive episode and I just got all glass half empty. I said upon the divorce, upon a divorce, should it happen, it's going to be divided approximately equally. How about Arkansas? In Arkansas, the agent handles the escrows and the attorneys handle the closings. Yeah. And property taxes come due three times a year. On the third Monday in April, the third Monday in July, and the 10th day of October. What the hell? 
Who decided that? I can't make this crap up. It's different everywhere. You need to have an experienced team. So if you haven't already, hit me up for a unicorn because I'm getting sick just trying to go through this. Okay, ready for your head to spin? Let's do my stupid state. California. I love it here. Don't get me wrong. I go through all this crap because I love where I live. Whew, here we go. In California, not only do the escrow procedures differ between Northern California and Southern California, because sure, why wouldn't they? They also vary somewhat from county to county. Title companies handle the closings through an escrow in Northern California, whereas in Southern California, the escrow companies and the lenders handle things. The conveyance is by a grant deed, which is different than some of the other deeds in some of the other states we've talked about. Now, that's a deed of trust with a private power of sale. That's the security instrument used throughout the state. That means that the deed of trust is similar to a mortgage, except the power of sale, it absolutely conveys the property title to the trustee to the benefit of the lender. So that means like a lender, you don't own the home. It's like, you know, when you don't get your car, your pink slip, because you still have a loan, it's like that. And what the lenders can do is sell the home right from under you if they notify you and then they can foreclose on you. To make things even more confusing in Southern California, the sellers pay the title insurance premium and the transfer tax, but that's only in Southern California. And the buyer and seller split the escrow costs. In Northern California, I don't even want to read this, okay? In Northern California, there's like, it's different in the counties of Amador, Merced, Plumas, San Juan, that's the buyers and they sell, the buyers and sellers share title and the escrow costs equally. But if you're in Butte County, which looks like butt with an E, then the sellers pay 75% and the buyers pay 25%. Why? I don't know, because they're Butte. And then it's different in Mendocina and San Francisco and San Mateo. That's where the buyers pay for the title insurance policy and the sellers pay in the other Northern California. It's ridiculous. So if you're asking me questions about what should I expect at closing, I'm only licensed in California. Over on the East Coast, most of the time I find out everything's done by an attorney. So your realtor is going to be able to help to get you a good real estate attorney. And Connecticut attorneys conduct the closings. In Delaware, the attorneys handle it. In the District of Columbia, which is not a state, although people are fighting for it, the attorneys and the title insurance companies, they're involved in the closing. And the agents actually might conduct some of the closings. Now, I don't do that here in California. I don't conduct the closing. And I got to tell you, some of the agents I work with, good luck. In District of Columbia, I'm scared to death as the agents have to conduct the closing. And they also have something else in the District of Columbia called a bargain and sale deed. Yeah, the bargain and sale deed. I looked it up, but it's just not even worth going into. It's just, if you're in D.C., get a good realtor. Another good one I found is in Maryland. The attorneys conduct the closing and there has to be a local attorney involved. So you can't just like do it online over a Zoom. But here's something else really interesting at the closing. There's all these special fees and things that might actually happen for you. Because if you're a police officer in Prince George's County who are first-time homebuyers, they get a break on their transfer taxes. And at the closing, under a law that took effect in 2006, those police officers only pay 1% of the purchase price rather than the 14%, which is the regular rate. Also in Maryland, county school teachers, they were made eligible for the same tax break in an earlier law without the first-time buyer limitation. So it could be your second or third purchase. And teachers who buy a home 
If they want to use that, they have to commit to living in the house for at least three years and maintain the teaching position within the county during that time. These are closings, gang. There's all different things you need to be prepared for and things that you could possibly take advantage of. I'm not going to go through the rest of it. I, I think I did 10 or 11. So there's at least 40 more states, but I'm not going to do them all. So there it is. So now you know most of the terms and the parties involved. You're going to be working with an escrow, a lender. You might have some real estate attorneys involved. You're definitely going to be talking to a title company. And now you can be prepared for that exciting moment that's going to happen for you. So best advice I can give everyone is get yourself an advocate, a super bitching unicorn realtor. They've done this before. They know the drill. That is some quality closing information. A bunch of random terms you never thought you would ever care about. If you want more detailed and specific information on anything for the first time homebuyer, you can spend your days Googling it and do what I did and try to sit down and write down these topics in some semblance of anything that makes sense. Or you can just search your podcast app and scroll through all my titles because I've done all the work for you. You can also go to howtobuyahome.com. You can search by keyword Type in what you're searching for, and it'll pop up the podcast with the information that you're looking for. Be sure you check out the YouTube page, How to Buy a Home Podcast, for more specific videos with more specific home tips. And hey, make sure you hit me up on TikTok. Look, if you're going to be scrolling through anyway, you might as well just get a little nugget on how to buy a house. I just found out that Camila Cabello is going to be going live on TikTok, doing a whole concert, like 45 minutes. If I get 10,000 followers, I promise I will not do a concert like Camilla, Camilla, Kamuka, Cabello. This is awesome because in 2022, there's everybody here just laughing that I pronounced her name wrong. And in the future, everyone's going, who the hell is he talking about? I don't know. Sorry, that's mean. Maybe she'll have a great long career. God bless her. So check me out on TikTok. It's also a great place you could drop a question and get some simple answers. Rate, review the podcast, subscribe and share. Someday your friends or family is going to need to know all this crap about closing and who better to help them out than some nerd who's been doing this for 16 years. There's nothing more exciting than when you get to the closing. And the last thing you want to do is be listening to your realtor or an attorney or someone else be like, well, I don't understand what they're talking about. You just want to be stoked, just happy. So spread the word, share these definitions to all your friends. Let's start the revolution, crush the confusion about buying a house and get you to the finish line. Positive. I am a believer. This is possible, and you can do this.